1: Stop throwing your money away. It's time to check out Jock Market, the app where daily fantasy becomes a stock exchange. Buy and sell shares of players in real time for real money, for real American dollars. Download now for a 100% deposit match up to $50 using promo code grinders, G-R-I-N-D-E-R-S. Get this if you do not turn a, uh, a profit this week. Jock Market, they're running it back their first market guarantee for week two. So your losses will be covered. Download jock market in the app or play stores or check out jockmarket.com and use code grinders for a 100% deposit match up to $50 on your very first deposit. (laughs) <laughs> what is going on, Grinders? Dean here. Dean7904, that is the Daily Fantasy Handle. This is the NFL Pick 6 Show, 9 o'clock on a Wednesday night. Myself, I am your host. I'm with two of the sharpest minds in all of fantasy football. Rich Rebar, uh, appropriately enough, from Sharp Football. Now, you know, fo- Sharp Football Fantasy. <laughs> I-, I should look over your shoulder, Rich. What, is- what does the book say? Sh- sh- show, off the, uh, show-, show off the book over your shoulder. It's still relevant.
2: Yeah, yeah, the 2020 Sharp Football uh, Preview Guide there you go uh john
1: daigle from nbc sports gonna be talking uh, the main slate here as far as week two nfl dfs we're not talking about the giants in washington on thursday night thank god uh casey baltimore on sunday night not talking about that that should be a fun game should be a great showdown on slate and, and no monday night game as far as detroit and green bay uh we're gonna focus if you guys are new here brand new to the uh the nfl pick six show do like do subscribe turn on notifications it's a good show buckle up lots of good information will be uh, spewed out shortly uh, we focus on three main games as far as a slate, and we'll San Fran, Philly, that's batting first, Dallas, Chargers, Tennessee, Seattle. And then we circle back and talk about our favorite players. We haven't talked, we did not talk about in those three games. Uh, you know, that there's, there's more than just three games that have even been playing football. So lots of good guys they're going to be talking about for sure. But uh, <laughs> Rebar, you mentioned pre show, uh, because I was asking Daigle before you jumped on, because I had a rough week. Everybody I talked to had a rough week one. And you said, Hey, I actually made some American dollars. I was looking for the person, like, who who won some money? Week one. I have no idea who it was. I guess you were at least one of them. So congratulations. How did that how did you make that work? Because I, I could not figure yeah. it out. I,
2: I mean I, I wish I made more real dollars. I mean, if Najee Harris was uh could break a tackle maybe at the one-yard line, we would have made some some real dollars, but you know, yeah, it was a good week. I had a good week one. Uh things worked out. I mean, I had a lot of Devontae Smith. We talked about him on the show, I had a lot of Jalen Hurts, I had a lot of cardinal stacks. I had uh, with my chat on Sunday morning, we kind of arrived that we were going to go all over on J- Jamar Chase. So we ran mm-hmm. hearing a lot of Jamar Chase and J- Dalvin Cook teams. Uh, and that worked out well. When we look at T Higgins ownership, we on both sites, we said it's we, the leverage is J- Jamar Chase uh so we we got lucky on there we hit a home run we figured no one would want to play him see so he was dropping all his passes uh we could talk about Jamar chase later i'm sure we will because this price didn't move uh and he's facing this bear secondary it looks completely cooked but uh yeah listen let's roll it into week two uh we'll help you guys get some ducats back uh we'll try to get nacha harris in the actual end zone this week maybe break a tackle i don't know uh we'll see how it goes.
3: And Go ahead. I would say, and best of all, that was the week to fade Christian McCaffrey, as we were talking about before the show launched. Uh, No bonus for 100 yards, no touchdown, 30 touches. Like when you fade a 10K player, that was basically the best case scenario for him and what you were hoping for. So, yeah, congratulations, whereas I had a hot Donovan Peoples-Jones in the flex. Whenever Beckham got ruled out, and I was like, okay, now we're cooking with gas here. And uh, it turns out that you ran a lot of routes, one target for four yards. Yeah, routes don't pay the bills, unfortunately. So I will say
2: my it, KJ Hamler galaxy brain take should have been correct, hot too. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, process versus results. He caught like a wide open bomb for sure. And
2: but the worst thing about that is one, I had like 12 percent KJ Hamler. The worst thing about it was though, that was the same drive Judy got hurt, so if he catches that pass. Space time continuum. Judy's ankle's fine. He, he tw- I don't know if you saw that uh, he was talking about that in the tweet I just said. And he kind of, he said he kind of sort of
1: feels guilty about it because of what you just said. Like that was kind of sort of. Oh actual. really? Yeah. Like he, he actually spoke about that. Damn Get man. back in the door well, and I, go eighty I, miles per hour.
2: I'm thinking it too.
1: Yeah, that's that's <laughs> a lot
2: that's of just, Judy teams. <laughs>
1: This is where I give the uh, the speech, by the way. I give the speech like, well, what happened week one doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen week two. And all we have is week one to look at. And we don't know until like week seven, week eight, week nine, week 10, that like week one, some things may have been outliers. We're not really certain if there's something to be an outlier. Uh, Daigle, we heard your voice. I don't think I properly introduced you Daigle, of course, from NBC Sports. Is there something that you saw from week one that you feel like uh, kind of convinced you like, well, this is going to be happening. This is this, or maybe is there something else go the other way, like, This was an outlier. Maybe like
3: Ingram carrying the ball like 97 times. I don't know. Oh, I write the waiver (laughs) wire column at NBCSportsEdge.com and I'd even put, it's like, I think it's the longest it's ever been because like I tried to get through all the data because this week, you know, it's fun for some people. You go on ESPN or whatever and you can say, wow, week one is crazy. But our job is to literally explain why week one is crazy. And then if it's farce, like if you need to be aware of something, thus this was like, it walloped me in the head. It was the longest week I've had. I'm living a great life. Don't feel bad for me. Now that I'm also back in East coast dad time or closer to y'all, but I will say really the only adjustments I made are that, uh, and it's not even adjustments. It's just saying one, the Falcons may really suck. They may actually <laughs> be really bad. And it was against a Philly front seven. That's scary, but man, could they not protect Ryan at all, who also, as we know, can't evade pass rushers at this stage of his career. And two, and we'll get into this depth, so I don't want to bring in too many details just yet, but also the Titans may be a little worrisome as well. Uh, That regression they've been fighting off the past two years may be coming back in a really hard way.
1: Did you have an answer for that, Rebar, as far as something that you either think was like goofy and it's probably not going to be happening, it's going to be fraudulent in like five or six weeks or something you feel like was confirmed? Like you feel like that I saw enough Like, oh, Chase can catch footballs. Like, that was the most ridiculous (laughs) there. He just forgot how to catch footballs. Like, I can catch a football. You guys can catch a – anybody can catch a football. But, yeah. No, I mean,
2: there are are a lot of things uh, that kind of, you know, stuck out. But we've got to kind of see how things kind of progress. I was more interested in a lot of the new teams that coaching staffs, like Dagle brought up the Titans. You know, just different types of adjustments. The Eagles, I mean, we were spot on the Eagles. We talked about how much different that defense was going to operate. They only blitzed three times in that game. And it's Matt Ryan. They pressured him on 17 of his 39 dropbacks. Uh, they played a lot more zone. It's not going to be like the token uh, thing where you pick on them because of man coverage, but vice versa. It was the other way. All the Falcons did do was blitz. We talked about that with Dean That's why we were on Devontae Smith. And, you know, we didn't hit a home run because they, You know, Nick Sirianni rolled over, keeping the ball like short, you know, using the Eagles playmakers instead of just like going mad downfield. Uh, But Devontae Smith hit, he got in the end zone. But there was a lot of scheme changes that we looked at. The Steelers looked the exact same for doing everything different. Uh, I mean, those are all the things that I was watching in week one. Um, And then the the games were excellent on Sunday for a week one, like the, the actual football was excellent. It was a great day of football.
1: Yeah, it was good times for sure. Lots of tilting watching the red zone for your boy. And Mostert, of course, like I'm sure everybody, a lot of people, once you pivot on the Mostert, when you saw like, well, that makes a ton of sense to play Mostert. And uh, of course, well, he got injured. Now he's going to be out for the season. Let's go ahead and forward, think about week two. Oh, I do want to do this before we before we jump in. Most of our viewers, most people that watch the show, they don't watch us live. They're doing stuff on Wednesday at 9 o'clock. That's understandable. They're watching us on the replay. They're watching us on the YouTube. Uh, I wanted to try to get the comment section active. And I took a peek at the comment section last week uh and daigle this one made me laugh and i'm like you know you actually responded i saw it to-
3: unfortunately yeah <laughs>
1: I don't really watch the video all that often. So I'm not aware of this. Maybe you're self-aware, but Christian J says, hey, is it just me or does anyone else find the beard smelling thing Daigle does at least kind of weird? So
3: let me explain. It's not (laughs) beard thing and it's how I think. Whenever I listen to y'all talk, I'm interested in learning, but this is like even at a dinner table, which is also not attractive at all. I'll just sit there and like, kind of like move my beard around like this. And then just, but I have a tendency, like it's the same thing. It is over the top of the lip, fingers down, comb it over and then keep on going it's it's literally i've done it unfortunately the past like half decade of my life and it's never going away and so uh, i will continue doing it as rich thinks as he talks out loud because that's kind of how i learn and ponder as i'm like yeah okay because that's why i'm also my eyes stare to the corner that's how i think it's like i'm just trying to inherit only words and not focus on anything that matters like the corner of the room
1: there you go so uh we're trying to encourage people to like leave some comments there and the one that makes me laugh. This one made me laugh. The, the one that makes me laugh this week. We'll go and get you guys a one week of RG Premium. There you go. Have at it. It'll be good times.
3: Oh, great. So we're going to get more insults
1: every week. <laughs> well, dude, you don't necessarily have to insult anybody. <laughs> like we just it's a clever comment. just anything. It is.
3: No, I'm, I'm glad they're paying so close attention to the Pick 6 show. They noticed that. Thank you for listening. And by the way, <laughs> Dean, Devin, everyone else behind the scenes, good job. Because I see the numbers. I, I watch the YouTube thing since that's where NBC Sports edges is all. And uh, we're moving. We're moving stuff over here. Those numbers are hot. Yeah, well, I mean, you guys—you guys bring the numbers for sure. Uh, first
1: game on the docket we're looking at here—it's uh, San Francisco at Philadelphia. Philadelphia is getting three and a half points at home. The total is fifty. All right, Rebar, open it up for us. What are we doing with the? Let's start with the Philadelphia side.
2: Well, like like I said, uh, you know, the new new offensive uh, you know coordinator this year, uh, new system, and we saw kind of what they did early on. You know, last year it was Jalen Hurts stand back, throw it as far as you can. Hopefully it works out uh, to these vagab- the vagabond group of receivers they had this year. It was, they reeled him in, got a quick throws and granted the Falcons brought a lot of pressure, but it was to get the ball out of his hands, let guys make plays. And we saw that kind of in week one, he had the lowest yards per completion in the NFL, 3.4 yards last year it was 7.7 yards. Uh, he had the uh, last year, he had the lowest expected completion rate because all he did was throw downfield and, you know, take deep shots, inefficient deep shots. Uh, this year, this year was in week one, at least it was the eighth highest expected completion rate. Uh, so we saw just a big title shift. Get him more bunnies. We saw this with Josh Allen, right, with the Bills. The Bills took a guy that was inaccurate. Now, Jalen Hurts doesn't have the arm strength of a, a Josh Allen but they got Josh Allen to get more efficient because they gave him more freebies, get the ball of his hands, rein him in, not, not take so many deep shots. And we saw that with Jalen Hurts. And that's how you can take a player that maybe has a little bit of an inefficiency, a little lipstick on the pig, make it a little better. Uh, we saw Jalen Hurts play excellently. He still ran, added 60 yards rushing. So, I mean, all positives in terms of forward-thinking coaches. We saw a lot of good forward-thinking coaches uh, in a lot of scenarios, and some bad ones. Uh, the Chargers were actually an excellent one as well. Uh, but, you know, now Jalen Hurts is playing a 4 downers team who, I was wondering what they were going to do with losing Robert Slaw and then adding D'Amico Ryans. D'Amico Ryans had suggested over the summer that they were going to be more aggressive, uh, but they did not, at least in week one, and, and you know, granted, they got up real big on Detroit Detroit, and they played a lot of soft coverage at the end of that game. Uh, but they did not blitz at all, which is what Robert Slott did. They only blitzed 9.5% of the time. Only the Eagles and Steelers blitzed less than the 49ers. Uh, so if they're not going to sit back, if they're going to sit back and play coverage, I mean, they're going to have to do that against Jalen Hurts because, you know, he'll take off and run. Uh, but the 49ers consistently have been poor. Uh, under those Robert Slaw defenses uh, against runs, running quarterbacks. Uh, last year, they were 31st in rushing yards, allowed per game to quarterbacks. Uh, and they were 30th in 2019. So there's still an opportunity, if this is going to be a similar system, for Jalen Hurts to kind of add some, you know, kind of production with his legs. His price didn't really go up at all. Uh, he's in play. And then obviously, you know, roll it over with Devontae Smith again. Uh, He came right out of the gates, led the Eagles in targets, uh, receptions, yards, routes run. Uh, They had this nice designed rub route, a little pick play to get him a touchdown. And the 49ers also lost their best coverage corner, Jason Verrett. And they've just added two kind of old dinosaurs and Josh Norman and Drake or Patrick to kind of, you know, band-aid this thing through. Uh, one thing that did happen last week that we kind of talked about, there are some bad secondaries in the NFL, man. There is mm-hmm. a there is a clear deficiency in terms of like defensive secondary talent. I don't know if those guys just aren't playing DBs anymore. They're going to play receiver and play their positions now, but there are some really weak defensive back ends across the entire NFL. Your favorite player to pair with Hertz would be uh, Devante, And then, uh, you know, if Ertz is out, we can roll Goddard in, man. We might get, we might get it, but we have to wait and see. Ertz was, didn't practice today. So we'll see what happens.
3: I, I don't know if it makes it interesting or perhaps the player to boy, but I did find it at least curious that Jalen Rager had a 1A dot. He had one air yard. They literally (laughs) threw to him at the line of scrimmage. And that may not be sexy, but when you're doing that against a 49ers defense that just moved Jason Brett to IR and Emmanuel Mosley, their other starting corners dealing with a hamstring injury, you're looking at suddenly Josh Norman, who's basically uh, been has disappeared for a couple years. Draker Patrick, who was just signed on Tuesday and then rookie cornerback, Diamador Len- Lenore, which I believe I pronounced that correctly, but probably not. And uh, not only they asked to cover now, Devonta Smith and Jalen Rager, but they have to tackle them since as Reeves said, Jalen Hurts was completing passes underneath, whether that was because of the blitz or maybe that's Nick Sirianni's offense. We're not sure just yet, but we're not too worried when they're rolling out that secondary against these players now. So Rager at least has a high floor with the ability to break tackles and also explode over the top, um, which he was used in college and as last year primarily their deep threat, which is why it was really interesting to see him basically use like a running back and screens the whole time.
1: Speaking of running backs, do you guys care for Sanders? Uh, Gainwell, is that too ambitious on this week? I don't think Scott even had a snap there last week. Are we more interested in the passing game? And also, Rebar, can we play Hurts naked? I think he's one of those quarterbacks you can play naked not like this ready-made obvious pairing. Like you said, if the, if we lose Ertz Goddard, it gets a little more bump, a bump and he's super cheap as well. So um, I don't know, just, just a DFS perspective. Generally we like to pair our quarterback correlation, obviously, but Hertz seems like one of those guys that I can just run by himself.
2: Yeah, absolutely. He's the archetype of what, what you can get away with. I will say Miles Sanders sample with Jalen Hurts is pretty intriguing. Uh, you know, when he's now played four games with Jalen Hurts under center and he's had 136, 90, 84, and 113 yards from scrimmage, three top 12 scoring weeks in those four games. Uh, so there's a little bit there. The 49ers had their hands full at the Lions backfield, but it's really hard to, to like make out like what happened in that Lions game. It was such a jailbreak in the fourth quarter and golf was so bad through three quarters of that game that it's really hard to just like say like, because everyone's drawn the corollary that like Anthony Lynn ran a lot of plays last year, but Anthony Lynn ran a lot of plays to the Chargers last year because they just ran the ball a lot. Like they ran a lot of efficiently efficiently. So when you run the ball for two yards, you have to run more plays. It was, that really wasn't the type of play volume that we got. We had like a jailbreak fourth quarter, like breakout in terms of play calling. So I'm not ready to go like to the moon that says like the, the Lions are going to run like a gazillion plays every week. Uh, and it's really hard to say like what the 49ers approach defensively was going to be because you're up so big late and you're playing shell coverage, it's, it's really hard to kind of, you know, draw anything out, but I mean, listen, the Lions backs had a field day in the receiving game. So, uh, you know, if you get any of that rollover, I mean, Kenneth Gainwell still just an ancillary guy. Like we're not, he's not a DFS uh,
3: nugget here. I also thought the Lions just ran so many plays because the 49ers were too good. Like, if you look at the, the <laughs> raw context of the plays, like the 49ers only, only ran 55, but that's because they were literally just too good and they didn't need to run. Like, three plays per drive is all they need. They were the only team to reach 40 plus points in week one. Garoppolo led the week with 12 and a half yards per attempt on just a defensive yeah, touchdown, too. Yeah, on 25 throws. And then the 49ers were just one of two teams to average at least eight yards per play. Like, they were literally too good, they didn't need that many plays. And so if they're keeping an up-tempo game script here against an Eagles defense that played or Eagles offense that played as they did and now can move the ball against this secondary, like this game is, this game is really exciting. Who wants to break down the San Francisco running back situation? Not everybody at once. I, so <laughs> it legitimately, let's start with this. Every scenario is possible. Even the fact that Trenton Cannon got signed today who plays special teams, it's very possible he's active over Trey Sermon. We legitimately don't know. But what we do know is that when Raheem Moster got injured after two carries, Elijah Mitchell came on for 83% of the backfield touches, which was the highest mark of any San Francisco running back going back to last year. We have no idea if it's the curfew rumors for for Sermon, which is why he was called a healthy scratch. We have no idea if it's because he really was a bad player and that one week of practice that was closed off to reporters. We, we genuinely don't know. So... Every scenario is possible, which also why this game is so interesting, and that includes Brandon Ayuk as well, because like yeah. those are the players now who are going to attract like extremely low ownership in DFS. Whereas you can play them if they like buck out of this the the coaching doghouse from Kyle Shanahan. But I would expect, again, could be wrong. I would expect Mitchell to at least get the first crack at it, and then we see what happens. Since Sermon was just healthy scratch. And the only time, even going back to last week, they only had two running backs available and Hasty still only got one carry because they have shown that Jermichael Hasty, they just don't care. They even used him just one game last year. And that happened to be the game that Jarrett McKinnon was also injured behind Tevin Coleman, Jeff Wilson, and Raheem Mostert. They literally had no one else but Hasty to give him six plus touches. So like, I'm not even considering Hasty on my radar. It is basically for me, Mitchell or Sermon.
1: And you want to add to that rich and also like I guess the safest play as a run back is Kittle of course he's pricey
2: Being
1: a parent can
3: be really challenging
1: child and family resource network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit child and family resource today.
2: Yeah. I mean, you got a main slate with no Kelsey, no Hawkinson. It's Waller and Kittle at the top. And then, you know, kind of, you know, pick your flavor. If you're not going to pay for either <laughs> of the other guys and Waller uh, has
3: a, you know, whatever you think about it, like Minka Fitzpatrick is kind of the perfect Player like comp to compliment Waller like to just manhandle him. I mean,
2: if they're gonna give him 19 targets, who gives? Who gives? <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're, <laughs> right. you're absolutely right. Like, like I mean, because you think about Kelsey was 8500 on the main slate last week, and Waller's still only seven on Fanduel. I'm sorry, I was speaking on Fanduel prices. Uh, what but Kelsey was 8500 on Fanduel, and Waller seven there. Uh, this on DK he is seven six. That's at least they jumped him up. But like, yeah, on Fanduel, like he should have been. Price like Kelsey was, but he played on Monday night. Um, I will say that the 49ers backfield is the conversation is more intriguing, I think, from like a seasonal like pickup stance than it is from a DFS stance because. Mitchell is monster. Like Mitchell is this is like if if you don't like Mitchell, then you just believe they're going to strip that role out of the offense because he is monster. He's a four three eight forty guy. He had over a thousand yards his last three years at Louisiana, sharing a backfield with Trey Regis. Uh, true breakout as a sophomore. He's a speed edge guy. When they start running these RPOs, he's going to be in that role. But he's not going to be in on third downs, and he's not going to be in probably near the goal line. So for DFS, that's a dude I'm not really going to be excited about, even if he's ripping off yards. He's got to score. Long touchdowns like Mostert did. I mean, that's why I was gonna be off Mostert last week until before the game, you know, and then I upped it a little bit, but I still not go all the way in because Mostert's still a guy that needs to score long touchdowns, and that's what Mitchell's gonna to have to be. Uh, now from a redraft stance, which the show isn't about, there's a whole different conversation we had of like when to go in and, and when to to tell the nuts. But for DFS The pricing is fine, but I think that he's going to be a little bit of a guy that I'm probably going to come underweight on just because of the fact that he's probably not going to catch a lot of passes and he's probably not going to get the short goal line touches.
1: I see all the season-long guys making fun of each other as far as how much fab dollars they spent. What was the appropriate amount of fab dollars to spend uh, if, if, you, if you wanted to grab the, the running back here for San Fran.
3: It, it always depends on your roster construction, mm-hmm. but I do know for a fact there were discords and uh, some phone calls I had, and Rich hasn't checked the dumpster beers team with me just yet, but I also put in a bid for Mitchell behind his back and was going to tell him after the show. But uh, if you need the running back, like if you started two running backs, you don't need to worry about Mitchell. I even told the, my friends you go after Wilson and Hasty and you see what happens because if another injury happens in the next five to six weeks while Wilson's out, they have no choice but to go to hasty so like of course we're picking him up for mitchell though if you needed a running back i genuinely think it was 600 630 if you and that may not get him if you didn't need a running back i think you sprinkle three to 350 and see what happens
1: anything else i was what's worth talking about is the ioc situation is kind of a wait and see is it worth throwing as a dart like people are probably all scared off obviously but who knows well, what's going to happen here
2: did so, we break Kyle Shanahan this offseason? Like, did we break him? Like, li- <laughs> he literally broke, right? Like, he's, he's perturbed like... <laughs> by every question.
3: Since, since the Matt Jones number three trade, Kyle Shanahan has been pissed off at everyone in every single press conference he's at.
2: Fair enough. But no, Debo is, a, uh, I think, an interesting guy. If he's going to get this yeah. kind of role. I mean, you know, I was all in on Debo, like, at the beginning of summer. I was like, all right, it doesn't matter what quarterback they're going to have because the way he's used is quarterback proof, right? Like he's going to get like these, he's going to get short a dot touches. They're going to feed him targets. He's, he's really efficient. So you no matter what, if, if Lance is bad, like Debo's role still be good. And then I kind of backed off like the IU theme, and like, you know, kind of the come around and the value of targets. Uh, and then, you know, he's out week one, just like for whatever reason, whether it be the hamstring and the doghouse, whatever truth there is. The fact is they made this dude active as the punt returner so I don't know man like the dude is active as uh-huh. punter like there's something going on like they had him back returning punts to start the game and he didn't play a snap on offense the first quarter it wasn't like he was just completely shelved there's a lot of weird scenario going on here uh,
3: but I don't know how, like
2: what the hell to make of it going forward
3: I don't I don't think you can like actually suggest Ayuk, <laughs> but you can also just say you can mention the uh um, just a factor that he was full, at least at today's injury report, he's practicing in full. So thus, if he's still splitting snaps with routes with Trent Sherfield, then Shanahan is telling the truth. And, but it's kind of like a prayer, right? If you play Iuke, that's on you. Um, there's nothing really, there's no game theory in it, unless like it comes down to just completely just play. 1%, 2% <laughs> play. That's it. That's, that's all you're telling yourself. And if so, like, I commend you, like get out there, kid. I'm proud of you, but like, I can't suggest it.
1: That was the appetizer game. This is the main course, uh, Chargers at home versus Dallas 55 is the total Chargers minus three and a half. Uh, I mean, Daigle, there is so much fantasy goodness here. Gallup wow. is out. Obviously uh, people are freaking out about Elliot. I think that was kind of sort of somewhat game plan, but we'll talk about that both quarterbacks, like one of these two would probably your cash game quarterback. Unless you have money for Murray or something like that. We'll talk about him soon enough as well. Uh, Allen seems an absolute, like an absolutely like just stone lock here against Dallas. I hate saying that term, but you know what I mean? As much as a lock can be, uh, Diggle, talk to me about whatever you want to open it up as far as this game, everything, everything. Defend Zeke dagle defend
0: it.
3: <laughs> okay. I, I will, I will, I'll start with the Cowboys offense. Then we'll kick it around because there's so much nuance in this game. Um, I do. I do love this game though. So, uh, Dak Prescott's last five full games that we have 52 attempts per game. 418 yards, 30 fantasy points, and a very nice 69% completion rate. 13 touchdowns, four picks in that time. But the Cowboys actually quietly played at their slowest pace last Thursday of any game with Dak Prescott since the 2019 season, even though they did have the second-highest pass play rate and neutral game script. And also, O.C. Kellen Moore called 28 runs that he said Prescott checked out of 12 because, of course, you're not going to run any back against the Bucks front seven it's terrifying um, having said that there's a little bit of nuance here and maybe maybe Rich can help me out here maybe it's just too me too much in the weeds but if you look through those five full games again small sample but only one stands out only one Prescott threw for less than 300 yards Only one he averaged, fewer than seven yards per attempt. And that is, of course, week one last year when he played Brandon Staley's defense. So I am somewhat concerned. Having said that, we also know there is no data to back this up, but just what they showed against the Bucs, that's pretty much the Cowboys' toughest test this year. And Prescott is still very clearly the highest one of the highest IQ quarterbacks in the entire NFL. So we're not really worried about matchups either. Um, It's just a little nuance to throw on the Cowboys' passing offense. All right. Uh,
2: Zeke, are we in? Are we out, Rebar? Oh, I mean, yeah, we could still be in. I mean, it's a guy that is on one of the highest scoring teams in the NFL that just on uh, plays a lot of snaps. I'm sure we'll talk about it, you know, Najee Harris in the same light, for the similar light, just – Zeke was out there. He played 84% of snaps. He ran around on 71% of team dropbacks. The concerning part for me, it wasn't the, the game plan because I think we all kind of expected Zeke to not be like a great fantasy smash in that game because no running backs ever are against the Bucs. They allowed four RB1s uh, last year and just four in 2019 as well. So like we kind of expect that game plan. I would have liked to see more targets, you know, uh, if you're going to be running that many pass routes, uh, but maybe with Michael Gallup now being out it opens up more of an opportunity just for that, for that to be kind of a one-off event. We talked about it's week one. It could easily be a one-off event. I also, for years, had said like the Cowboys throw too much to Zeke. So I can't like, I can't have my cake. and eat it too uh, in that scenario. But I mean, Zeke's still going to be a goal line guy. He's out there and passing downs. I mean, it's real easy just to still justify him, especially with the price dip uh, in a game that's going to feature so much points. Now, the thing is, this could be another game script game, uh, you know, being road underdogs. Uh, I don't know how the Cowboys are going to stop the chargers and maybe that plays in the dagles hands of Brandon Staley too, because when that Cowboys played the Rams in week one, I mean, that's, you know, you get that Rams offense. That's not really doing a lot. They're dinking and dunking and not really pushing the tempo as well themselves. Uh, then the game doesn't end up popping. So, I mean, there's a way for that to happen. The Chargers, all, although we're pretty aggressive offensively against Washington last week. So without DeMarcus Lawrence now, without Randy Gregory, I, it's, I just don't know how the Cowboys get enough stops, man, to not force like Dak to have to throw and then for the Cowboys to have to speed things up. The Cowboys also got really weird turnovers last week. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, we can't really count a nose, a, a screen pass through a guy's hands uh, and, and a fumble as a guy's going into the end zone uh we can't count on those types of events to kind of happen again uh for them so i mean the i mean the bucks could have won that game by by 14 points you know or or more on thursday night and those kind of fluky plays kind of kept it kept it tight and the cowboys actually almost pulled out a a win um but i just don't know objectively how the cowboys get enough stops defensively uh against this chargers team yeah they had four
1: turnovers and at least two of them at least two of them you can round up or round down that were, were goofy like you said uh, and they did. They lost an over their defensive players as well. And it's an interesting question. Like, are the Dallas Cowboys just sharp enough? And they had a smart game plan. And now they're going to go back to Zeke when it's not necessarily threatening. But uh, when they are forced to pass, Diggle, uh, is it Cooper? Is it Lamb? Is it both? Uh, the absence of Gallup. Now a three point one k. We don't have the same cheapies we had last week on DK. Of course, didn't work out for a whole bunch of them. But if you're looking for a salary savers, Cedric Wilson at three point one k is kind of sort of somewhat interesting to kind of make stuff work. What are your thoughts as far as the receivers? Like, how do you decide? Cooper or
3: Lamb or just both? If you're going all in on this game, I think Cedric Wilson is one of the ancillary pieces that could be really interesting. But once Gallup got injured, we know CeeDee Lamb ran 100% of the routes after that point. Uh, It just seems like Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb will be on the field no matter what. And now we have data of uh, Amari Cooper going all the way back to – or. Playing with Amari, yeah, playing with Amari Cooper all the way back to 2019, and he's averaged at least 18 fantasy points in that span. So Amari Cooper, really, when healthy, has been extremely successful with Dak Prescott. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer, even though a lot of people believe, you know, CeeDee Lamb's a sexier player as the younger player with perhaps a higher ceiling. And that could be true. But I think both are the correct plays. It's just that if you're stacking this game and you want to find those secondary pieces, there are a lot of answers that could happen in response to Gallup being injured. Because it could be Cedric Wilson, as you mentioned. Since he did run 27 routes, um, every single route, the only other wide receiver to run route behind Cooper and Lamb once Gallup got injured, but also Noah Brown was inactive. So we don't know what happens if and when Noah Brown's also active in this game as the team's fourth or fifth receiver also maybe it just trickles down to more Dalton Schultz and Blake Jarwin who basically split snaps and routes even though Schultz had the more productive day in the box score and then of course also it could be lead to more Zeke targets since Rich mentioned it but like the raw numbers even just pop off the page and maybe this is me defending Zeke into my grave but 50 routes to Tony Pollard's 13 is pretty sexy even though Pollard was targeted on four of those 13 routes so there are three different ways this could go but either way I think you feel safe with Cooper or Lamb a la the way you choose between DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett which is really just to throw your hands up and take the one who's (laughs) rostered less
2: and and FanDuel has lamb with the same price as Jarvis Landry so grief. <laughs> uh, I mean he looks like on FanDuel like I don't know how you avoid him at 6800 uh in a lot of builds because he had the highest expected fantasy points for all wide receivers in week one uh he put a couple balls down uh yeah. but yeah I mean 6800 uh over there it just seems pretty bonkers that seems like a weird price for sure, uh, and it's <laughs> everything is in play in this game. Like you
1: talk about Schultz, we'll talk about Jarwin, we'll talk about the charge in a charges in a second. Like we could talk about Jared Cook; he's he's super interesting as well. Yep. And but like I think the best piece, and of course that core is great too. But uh, Rich, by by all means, give your final thoughts there as far as Dallas. But I mean, Keenan Allen just feels like an absolute rock here, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, you look at Keenan, 13 more targets in week one, so we now have a, we've seen him, he's had 12.3 targets per game in the 12 games he's played with Justin Herbert in full, Uh, and over that 12-game sample, he's had double-digit targets in 11 of those with a low of seven, Uh, so Dallas week one, equally as bad to opposing wide receivers as we thought last season, but now they have an interesting wrinkle, so Big Mike, Actually had like all of it was true about big Mike. Eric Eric Crane
3: would be very proud right now, by the way of you.
2: (laughs) Big Mike had a big, a a real role. And they gave him a lot of, you know, intermediate targets. His eight out was just 10 yards, five, almost six full yards lower than his career average. He had 12 targets. Now Eckler had zero targets. That's not going to happen very often. So that's, there's like one thorn. Also big Mike also resembles a lot of big Mike Evans, who the Cowboys just threw Trayvon Diggs at and had him shadow and was kind of played really well and kind of did really well on big, big Mike Evans. So we've got another big Mike playing against Trayvon Diggs. I don't see any reason why they wouldn't do the same thing because Keenan Allen moves too much around to, to, to shadow with a guy like that. So I think we'll see Diggs a lot on Mike Williams, like he was on Mike Evans and Eckler will get more receiving work. So we could see Williams kind of naturally lose some targets this week. Because I think a lot of people are going to go to, to big Mike. Uh, and, and there's a reason for it too. Because you know, he gets those kind of money targets. We saw him at two end zone targets in week one already. Uh, he's going to get those kind of looks. Uh, but I do think that, you know, Keenan Allen, it's just the, I don't know how you don't play him because the matchup everything, everything just lines up to a T the volume, the matchup uh, potentially big Mike, you know, getting some extra attention, you know, on the outside with, with a better cornerback. It's just really hard to get off of Keenan Allen. You guys have a quarterback preference in this game?
1: Anybody? I mean, I like them both.
2: It depends on what you're trying to do at running back, I think, to what you're trying to do at salary uh, on both sides because, you know, Herbert's a little cheaper. Um, You know, Dak is probably going to have the game script. Like, they're going to have to throw eventually, I think. So, I don't see how they, like I said, get enough stops – if you look at this game plan that the Chargers with Joe Lombardi had in Week One, it was so phenomenal against uh, the football team. Now, now we know that they upgraded their offensive line, but they didn't just ask Herbert to like drop, take seven-step drops, and you know try to try to throw downfield. Uh, he got the ball out at the uh, fourth quickest rate of all quarterbacks. Uh, he was the least pressured quarterback in the NFL in Week One. They had him get the ball out. They were aggressive on early downs. He wasn't as effective on early downs throwing, but they were aggressive throwing the ball on early downs uh i they were a team that i thought from a coaching stance really put their team in a position to succeed and anytime i see that i feel really good about playing those guys in dfs moving forward because they're going to be progressive thinkers and play their game plan to the opponent instead of just trying to do what they do uh like we've watched anthony lynn there for for two years uh just kind of run his head into the wall so it was really nice to see justin herbert in the hands of an actual you know forward-thinking offense
3: and that was also a league <laughs> low and pressure rate against Washington's front seven. Now we're talking about the Cowboys, who will be without Randy Gregory, Demarcus Lawrence, and Neville Gallimore. So I, I don't know how the Cowboys get to Herbert. I don't know how they pressure them. And then earlier when he was asked about Austin Eckler's target share, he responded, and I quote, that's always the plan to throw the ball downfield. And when those reads push everyone else back, that's when you go to your running back to get those yards but the offensive line had a great time holding me upright, so I had to make those throws so we know like historically Austin Eckler will earn his targets but also if he's just going to stand back and throw a deep like both Allen and Williams of course are interesting and Eckler full practice today
2: off the hamstring. Remember leading into last week, a lot of people got scared. He only played 58% of snaps, which is really the same amount that Chase Edmonds played uh, in Arizona. So he, he we didn't see him really even play like his full allotment of snaps that he will probably be going forward. We saw a lot of Larry Roundtree. Uh, and He ran a pass around on just 42% of the Chargers dropbacks. That was 25th among my running backs. We know that's not going to be Eckler's game. So him having the full practice already on Wednesday is a really good signal going into this week that he can probably have an extension Extended workload and he had the two goal line carries the two carries inside the five yard line last week Uh, he had two all of last year so
3: I mean if he's going to get those I mean there's there's some high upside for him and it's thinner on the Cowboys side since we know Zeke's like incoming regression Rich has the exact numbers um, on the goal line for the Cowboys but you could genuinely play the running back with the Cowboys here on or with the quarterbacks here on both sides of the ball if you choose to General rules. I was asking about Herbert and Prescott. The guys want the quarterback that has the legs.
1: Uh, Herbert, I think, has the ability to move. He didn't do it last week, but like when called upon, like I said, he didn't have to. He was never pressured. Also, they're not necessarily designing stuff for him either. And is that a combination rebar? Is that a combination of the how great the the game plan was, or is Washington possibly a little bit overrated as far as their defensive front seven?
2: Well, I mean, I talked about Washington a little bit in my chat on Sunday just because the, the, we know that they're good. They have, they're inherently – they have a lot of defensive talent. But they faced, like, the worst quarterback schedule last year, by, bar none. Uh, you know, they faced no good quarterbacks, and this year they're going to face a lot better quarterback play. So we kind of seen it. But, listen, if you saw that game, though, I mean, they reeled Herbert in. He didn't really take a lot of downfield shots. It was get the ball out fast uh and you know not let this defensive you know kind of front create any pressure that was the game plan uh but I mean you brought up the leg factor that's the one thing about Dak that did give me a little bit pause is he was fine you know moving downhill but man when he moved laterally and side to side it, it, it didn't look like the old Dak Prescott and you know maybe that's just me my novice eye I don't really know much but I don't know if we're going to see Dak coming off that two ankle surgery like really run as much as he has in the past at least it didn't look like it on Thursday they called plays, though. Like, didn't they call like a
1: play into the Tanner? They ran one, feet.
2: like, they ran, yeah. like, one, uh, they ran one QB draw, And he looked fine, like, straight, straight speed. He yeah. looked fine. Yeah. But moving side to side, like, there was a lot of times where I, like, you would have seen the old Dak Prescott get away and create yards, and he, he did it.
1: I also feel like, I mean, this is just me being armchair quarterback. His box score looked better than his actual game. Like, he just – I don't know. He didn't, his form didn't look perfect. I don't know what I'm, I'm just some guy who watches football whatever. But I mean, when
3: you throw perfect. 58 passes, your form ain't gotta be, like, you <laughs> so don't gotta be. Like the, the first few, the first few throws were like <laughs> perfectly placed, but everyone was calling him Chad Pennington because he didn't have the zip on the ball. But that's oh. what makes like, you know, tweeting during live games is the worst anyways, but like tweeting during Island games is the absolute oh. hell you don't want to live in.
1: You gotta have the hottest of hot takes and like and <laughs> definitive takes and that whatever I tweet, that's a fact. And even though it changes seven minutes later, you can't hold me to that. It's it's yeah. There we mean, all go back. We all go back. There are people clear.
3: still going back to like last year who don't think CEH will ever score a touchdown because they watched them in the season opener against the Texans in week one. Having said that, CEH will never score a touchdown. So that's where we are. With it the, sure. the Chiefs
2: are calling offensive plays, they're throwing the ball at offensive linemen. I, I'm still questioning everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Chiefs are just bored by the regular season, man. And especially when they get inside the five, like let's
1: do something goofy. They ran a motion.
2: They in a motion play, and a flip, like a shovel pass to the offensive lineman, like early in the game. Yeah, like early in the game. Like what? What are I was like, what are we doing here?
1: Before we move on, I want I want to take on Jared Cook. He seems like an interesting cheapie, and he was uh what eight targets last week when we're facing the Cowboys. Who's interested in Jared Cook? Who wants to sell me? Anybody?
2: Go for Reeps. I mean, it was, like you said, I mean, the game plan, get the ball out. So, he had eight targets, you know, for 56 yards. He was just 19th among all tight ends and, you know, routes per drop back. Donald Parham did get a, a significant amount of burn. Donald Parham also got an end zone target. Uh, just that you didn't get a lot of raw targets, but like basically Cook was used a lot like Dan Arnold was. Uh, He just got more targets, uh, more opportunity found his way. I mean, we just did see the Cowboys made Gronk look like 24-year-old Gronk. So, uh, you know, listen, everyone's on play. If you're playing the Cowboys, I'm not going to talk to you about anybody. I mean, this is how it's going to be probably the rest of the season. So if you want to go and pay for Jared Cook, like I said, if you're not going to pay for Waller and you're not going to pay for Kittle, you've got a choice to make. Do you go back to Kyle Pitts? I think I'm going to try to do that again. It might be the pits <laughs> again, but I'm going to go back to it, I think. Uh, but so, yeah, you have to choose like your poison after that. And all the rest of these guys are just guys, man. We uh, we had the appetizer, we had the entree,
1: the dessert <laughs> game Tennessee at Seattle, Seattle minus five, 54 and a, and a half is the total here, Daigle. Tennessee looked like a disaster last week. We, they couldn't catch up with, I mean, that, that was a great shootout script. They can just kind of play that part. They decided not to. Derrick Henry looked awful. A script, of course, wasn't good for him, but. Even from the one yard line, he got shut down a couple times. Well, let, let's talk about Tennessee first. What's your focus as far as the Titans?
3: We probably should have said Cowboys Chargers dessert because you, got, yeah. you can get a you you can get a bad steak every now and then as the entree, but a bad dessert, unless it's an oatmeal cookie, just doesn't exist at all. Oh, I um, take. Having said that, no, no one likes oatmeal cookies. That's crazy. Uh, Having said that, like you've seen all the stats going around. Um, Titans play action rate on Sunday, of course, without Arthur Smith. And now with Todd Downing, second to last, only ahead of the Raiders. That's a whole nother game because then we have to go into why the Ravens are now bad. Um, when last year, it was a league high, 36%. And that's pretty much what drowned the Titans after they weren't even blitzed at a high rate. Tenth overall, of course, but it was just the fact that Chandler Jones continued eating. T- uh, 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 why does the name slip my mind now? Uh um, Luan. Thank you. Taylor the lunch oh, throughout the game. Brutal.
2: My brain is still so scared. This dude like, came and
3: tweeted after
2: the game. Like yeah. he, he got bragged on so bad that he tweeted about it. I've said never I seen something like that. He,
3: he, I got crushed today. My bad. He, I would crazy. say it was a humble, it was a humbling tweet. Like he has never been that low, <laughs> hit rock bottom in his life because Chandler Jones tweet through it,
2: Taylor. Tweet through
3: it. I really owned him. <laughs> but that but that was always a concern, right? Like that's literally why we are concerned about this offense. Um, but the thing is, they I do, I don't believe they have to push back. for the the Seahawks to be good. Because like the Seahawks at one point were up 28 to 10 on the Colts. The Seahawks averaged under this new Shane Waldron offense, 7.8 yards per play and 11 yards per attempt on just 28 throws. Like the Seahawks were cooking. It didn't matter what the Colts were doing. And so like the good thing is here, Seahawks are safe. It's just a matter of what is this Titans defense are they really going to stick to this play action rate or does that not matter? And they change the game script because they were getting eaten alive. And maybe it's like the football guy talking about, Oh, well, like if I run play action, that's not enough time to buy Brian Tannehill a play fake. So he's going to get hit. I don't know. It's, it's literally one of the week one things I don't have an answer to, because I'm not sure what's going to happen in week two. Oh, oh, oh.
1: All right, Rebar, uh, you're, you're, you're stacking this game. Are you focusing on, like, Henry is the first piece you throw in there? Are you going to, like, just kind of a shootout? And, like, you have, like, Russ with either Metcalf or Lockett or possibly both. But I think it's probably one of the two. They both kind of sort of got there last week. But last year, we saw all the time. One would have an incredible game, and one would just be, like, very pedestrian. Uh, but if you're starting with the Tennessee side in a, in a game stack, are you starting with Henry or one of Brown or Julia?
2: No, I'm probably not. I mean, so the one thing we do know, For both of these teams that the Titans defense is bad. Correct. (laughs) They've allowed now 38 more 38 plus points uh, in each of their past three regular season games. Uh, There's been 51 or more combined points in each of their past five uh, regular season games. Uh, so the other team is going to get there. We don't know if the Titans are going to get there. <laughs> I did look at the play action stuff and, you know, went back and watched the game and they tried to run play action early and Tannehill got wrecked on two straight like play action
3: dropbacks. That's and why I'm do...
2: mentioning the football guy thought,
3: because yeah. like that's what it looked like on the film.
2: And, and that's what I wonder too, if they came out of it. Uh, you know, I've seen a lot of people, we don't know because the sample size has to mount up because you know, right. I saw a lot of people say like, this was a Todd downing thing. Cause he did this in Oakland where they scrapped play action. I do know that they tried to run play action twice. The fumble was a play action, the strip, the first strip sack. Uh, and, you know, maybe they just came out for that, but they, this is an offense that is predicated on that though. Ryan Tannehill is, you know, it's this rejuvenation has been him throwing on the intermediate levels. He's number one quarterback in the past two years and EPA throws 10 to 19 yards. Cause you run play action, suck up the linebackers, you throw behind them. He's, he's made a living off of that. Uh, you look at the past two years, he's averaged 11 point yard, uh, 11 yards for pass attempt while the use of play action, 7.3 without. So just like just the dude without it. So, I mean, they need this. They need this. It's part of their offense. It's their bread and butter. Now, I, we just don't know if they're going to use it. Now, I will say that this matchup looks, for Derek Henry, very similar to last week. Uh, we did talk about it where we kind of said it was the leverage, but the one good aspect of the Cardinals is their front seven, and their front seven dominated that game. Uh, Seattle is also another team. They were really good in 2020 against the run. They were 10th in yards allowed per carry to opposing rushers, uh, and in week one, they held Jonathan Taylor to 3.3 yards per carry, where the Seattle defense has always given up production the past couple of years is out of the receiving game. We saw the Colts receiver Colts backfield really do damage, uh, do their damage through the passing game. That's not Derrick Henry's game. So I think it's a similar game, to your game. They're road dogs against the similar type of defense. Uh, that is really going to be good against the run and force you to have to throw to your running backs, which is the Titans don't do. So, I mean, it it looks like a very objectively similar game for Derrick Henry. If he doesn't score a touchdown and this game gets out of hand, you're going to be looking at another situation where he's just not effective for fantasy football. Uh, So, yeah.
3: And a similar game for the Titans passing offense. Um, You know, Seattle's defense last week, 15 quarterback hits, four sacks. But of course that was Carson Wentz who held the ball over three seconds every single play. Like if the Titans... Know, then maybe the Cowboys Chargers game is just a moot point. Because if the Titans punch back like they did every week last year, like this game gets really hot because again, the Titans defense, like Reeve said, doesn't matter. And Seahawks are going to carry their weight <laughs> in this faster pace, no-huddle offense under Waldron.
2: So Waldron, uh very interesting, like you know, another game that I watched a lot of because I wanted to see these new offenses. Uh, I saw Kevin Clark kind of comp it to the Houston Rockets offense uh, because it was either get get dunks or get dunks or three-pointers. So Russell Wilson threw 14 passes uh, behind the line of scrimmage or with or within uh, 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. Uh, but he also threw 22% of his passes, 20 yards or further downfield. So it was real efficient throws and then take downfield shots. Uh, you know, the Titans are going to give it to you however you want it. But uh, I thought that they're getting, you know, the, that initial game plan was really nice. Uh, if we would have got more passing volume, maybe some more punchback from the Colts, we could have had more excitement because, you know, a lot of people are going to look at it and say, "Well, oh, here it's just Russ being hyper-efficient on, you know, 23 passes again. Uh, it's the same old offense, but it really wasn't. It was, you know, the, the offense efficiency bred from that uh, production that Shane Waldron had, but also, you know, the Colts just held the ball a long time. They had a lot of drives. They were throwing check downs. Uh, so, I mean, we need the the Titans to kind of push the pace a little bit, have some big plays, uh, hopefully we get some of that but yeah the, the Titans are definitely a, a little bit of a Rorschach test uh, we're gonna see some truths revealed uh, over this week that we kind of have ourselves questions on included with
3: Julio Jones who I'm I'm very worried about after his performance in week one is he possibly dust already is it can he uh, be dust I don't want to talk bad about the great Julio Jones but uh <laughs> week one was not promising who's more dusty Julio or Zeke Stop that! Don't do that. <laughs> We're not playing that game. <laughs> Got to pick one. I mean, there was no
2: redeeming <clears throat> quality about the Titans' offense. Luckily, Arthur Correct. Juan saved his day with that touchdown, but it was a, it was a complete dumpster fire. It was a train wreck of a performance. It was arguably because when you think about expectations, we had we there are some offenses that weren't good that we expected not be good, but we expected that passing in to be good against the Colt uh, Cardinal secondary. Uh, and we didn't get any of it because the Cardinals just defensive front just dominated that entire game.
1: I love that comparison to the Rockets, by the way, that's, that's brilliant. That makes a ton of sense. The analytics there. And uh, as far as the Seattle side, well, it's worth noting Penny is probably not going to play or he's, he's, no, he's out. Is, oh, he's officially out. Yeah. Okay. So now I never like playing Chris Carson, but like, if we think there's a pretty decent chance, you know, Seattle gets ahead in this game and it's a tough place to play and it's, projected for rain right now but of course it's Wednesday night who really even knows but could be a slog to some it probably won't be I don't, I don't want it to be a slog um but like Carson is interesting to somebody I just never liked the roster but if he's gonna get 25 touches in this game I'm certainly interested in you know the whack-a-mole game does anybody have a lean as far as Metcalf or Lockett or is this just 51-49 flip a coin you know call it in the air friendo. do we have any idea who the better receiver is this week Metcalf
3: Lockett anyone I genuinely don't have a lead. Uh, I don't know if it reduces his ownership at all, since everyone just looks at the box score after, but we know Metcalf didn't get his first target or catch until the second half. Yeah. Um, having said that he finished with the same target share and it's just five. It's a lowly number. Having said that, we also know that, like i said earlier up 28 to 10 in the second half, like the Seahawks are just playing to get out of there and the Colts made it seem closer with their last touchdown with little over two minutes remaining in the final quarter. So either way, like both guys can get there. I don't have a lean either way, except just to say the one, on his rostered list, yeah
1: i mean yeah they're both great i don't know which one's better rebar you got anything or they're both really good and that's that
2: no yeah I, I like carson as a leverage play i mean listen it's yep. it's a home favorite attached to a 30 point implied team total like don't we play running backs in those spots that, 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 that catch to. the ball like I'm just going kind to, of, and yeah, I, I mean, I like it. And he's he's really affordable on both sides. We know he can catch the ball. He had three catches last week. He ran a pass route right on 64% of the dropbacks. That was the 10th highest rate amongst all running backs in week one. I mean, he checks
3: all boxes. We, and, <laughs> Andy and DJ Dallas, like, is supposed to be their third down back, but. Carson actually ran 19 routes to Rashad Penny's four. Like even when D.J. Dallas came in for Penny, he just went ran one route. It was still Carson's show. So that makes him really interesting in a game script that could go very awry for the Titans and thus making it better for Seahawks' side.
1: All right, let's you guys got anything else? We can kind of jump back to quarterbacks. Uh, quarterbacks we haven't discussed just yet. Uh, Josh Allen looked pretty shaky in Week One. Let's see if he bounces back versus Miami here in Week Two. Kyler Allen, I mean, I, I, Kyler Murray is just phenomenal. I, I love playing and he's got to talk about legs at uh, fantasy goodness, uh, a ready-made pairing there with Hopkins. Of course you can pivot off to a guy like Christian Kirk, who, uh, Rondell Moore. Well, week one, we'll, we'll forgive him. Yeah, uh, you know, we, we run more. I went too much of him. Uh, but as far as quarterbacks go, like I, I love Murray. If I can get there against Minnesota, certainly interesting for me, Tom Brady, looked phenomenal, <laughs> it's ridiculous how, how good he is still at the age of 44 uh, Diego, what do you have as far as thoughts on those guys that are out there? Is anybody like off the board uh, from a quarterback perspective uh, jumping out to you here uh, on D- DFS Week 2?
3: One is the one you already mentioned. I think it's pretty top-heavy. It's Josh Allen. Uh, Rich even discussed last week that in last year's matchup with the Steelers, they cracked the Bills' game plan, at least in the first half they played together. And this week, after finishing third overall in blitz rate, the Steelers, last year, um, they actually blitzed just 1% of the time, a league low rate in week one, whereas Miami in week one blitzed at the league's second highest rate. And maybe they did that because they played a rookie quarterback. I don't know. Um, But if they blitz more often, it's really a situation where, like, the Bills' team total and Josh Allen just simply bouncing back I can see both happening and going well over so that's interesting Um, one thin play because I'm sure Rich will also talk about Tom Brady so I'll leave that to him I'm not saying do this because again when you're battling Tom Brady Josh Allen Dak Prescott Justin Herbert Russ the list goes on and on actually I'm talking myself out of it now but I will say (laughs) if you play Kirk Cousins in a good spot you just got to, you have no choice but to double stack them because if you're in for a tournament, you're in. Like you have to go all in because the only way Kirk Cousins matches those guys with 300 yards and four touchdowns. And it is, it's absolutely in the range of possibilities And this tremendous matchup. They want to run, but they probably won't get to run against the Cardinals offense that they won't be able to stop. But I would say you have to go Jefferson and Thiel in that situation.
1: Well, is there ready main pairings and it's a really, really thin target tree. Is that a curiosity, uh, is Osborne a thing or is that a fluke? Is, that, is, is he
3: real? Well- I think he's real. The uh, You know, just playing 81% of the snaps. They, they turned 11 personnel with that Herb Smith. My issue is that you're still talking about a player like KJ Osborne trying to fight for targets between Jefferson and Thielen. And it's clearly inside the 10, they don't care about Jefferson either. They just go to Thielen every time. So I think it's still harder for that target share. 19%, 19% he matched Justin Jefferson right behind Thielen's 21% to, to be relevant every single week.
1: All right, Ritz, jump in here. Some quarterbacks that are doing, doing it for you here week one. Too. Yeah,
2: yeah, I mean, so like I like this layout for Josh Allen, you know, last week we talked about, you know, that how as great as Josh Allen was that he was still kind of a guy that when pressured, kind of looked like the old Josh Allen and that happened last week when he was under pressure. So Miami can get pressure but um, they use the blitz to get there. They they blitz almost as as much as the Ravens do, Um, you know, which is very different than what the Steelers did last week. Miami blitzed at the second highest rate of any team last season, and they were second in week one this season. Uh, But if you blitz and you don't get home, you give up big plays, uh, which is what Allen has consistently done against the Dolphins, uh, you know, since Brian Flores has been there. In the two matchups that they played the Dolphins last year, uh, Allen was 19 of 27 passing for 302 yards, 11.2 yards per attempt with four touchdowns against the blitz. The Dolphins blitzed them uh, 28 times in those two games. They only created pressure on eight of those blitzes. I mean, they're going to send heat. And if you don't get home, the Bills have weaponry to beat you. Uh, So, I mean, the Steelers got there can the dolphins uh and you look at josh allen's history against miami i mean in six career starts against miami he has been the qb1 the qb1 the qb2 the qb7 the qb3 and then last year in week 17 he was the qb14 he only played a half but had 20 points at halftime uh in that game the other this game i thought would might make the the list as well as the other two you brought up vikings cardinals uh, falcons bucks all these are really good stacking games um this game's in miami in the heat uh all the the past five matchups these teams have had, they've all gone over the game total. They featured 62 combined points. Uh, they've had 52 or more points in all five of those games. Uh, there's potential for this game to get there, uh, for sure. Uh, it be like a unique stacking game as well, especially with people kind of, because Josh Allen was pretty highly owned last week, and, and really, you know, a lot of people held the bag because they thought they were going to get what they did last week. Um, if you listen to this show, you obviously came under on him because we highlighted that, but uh, I think he's in a really interesting spot uh, this this week. Kyler Murray, super easy to to play, we talked about him just pacing uh the, the position and fantasy points last year when he was healthy, got the Titans, gets the Vikings defense. That looks like they're not able to stop the pass again, too. I mean, the same problem, like their pass rush was really good in week one, uh, like we thought it was gonna be, but they still have you know potential to be just an extreme pass funnel like they were last year. Uh, so I mean, how do you not how do you get away from Kyler? And you talk about the leg, the running factor. And he got another goal line run again where you run that RPO. Mm-hmm. It's just really hard to get away from. I mean, it's if he's gonna keep putting up 30 point games, which is what he was averaging last year for the shoulder injury, and he comes right back in week one and has 30 30 plus points. I mean, it's hard to to, to combat that with the guys like Dagle said with Brady and with Cousins, even Justin Herbert, a little bit like where you save salary, but can he get to 30? Right. I mean 303, yeah,
1: 304. So that's how he gets there, right? I suppose he can run win, but unlikely. But uh, that, that's how the position has changed. The opportunity right. cost a quarterback. It, you know, it used to be, it wasn't that long ago, people are like, let's just find a cheapy, uh, a cheapy kind of quarterback and get me 202 or maybe get 300 and two touchdowns and I'll kind of make up the difference elsewhere. But now all these great quarterbacks with the, the ability to run and, you know, bust off 70 yards, 80 yards and get in the box a couple of times in
3: the grounds, the opportunity cost is just massive. So and, I don't even know our- if it's worth it. And early on, like the way the running back slate shade up, since that's pretty much factoring how you're going to spend up at quarterback, like uh, the prices aren't catching up to the workhorses here. So yeah. like you don't have to pay up and that makes it easier to spend up for a guy like Josh Allen.
1: Like one of those old school thoughts, like on DK, like get 3X. If my quarterback is like, who's 5K, can get me 3X or 4X. Like that 3X ain't cutting it these days, man. If you're, if your yeah. quarterback's getting you 18 points, oh, yeah. I got three and a half X. Like, that that's an archaic thought process you got to move on from that retire it
2: the gK uh, used to be the best to get in a guy like around 5k like get maybe get my 300 yard bonus just kind of get there uh and then now you can't, man. you can't do
3: it. We need we need a uh, David Blow to come back. David Blau to come back on Thanksgiving. <laughs> well, like,
2: remember I think a couple of years ago I sure remember like the uh, the Kyle Allen game where it was just like you had to play Kyle Allen and then like he got you know, but like those types of guys, like it's really hard to go that route uh, these days because even when the guy gets you twenty at four and a half k or five k, it's still not getting you thirty to thirty five like these top quarterbacks are getting.
1: You got to play catch up, man. You got to play a big game of catch up. And make up for it and other positions really massively. <laughs> Speaking of those other positions, some elite running backs this week here. Uh, Rebar, I'll let you kind of tackle. Let De- you know Dalvin Cook on the main slate. CMC is back. We talk- we got Eckler in that Dallas game. Uh, I don't know if you guys heard. I don't know, is everybody sitting down? Not- Najee Harris played 100 of the snaps. Big point. Have you guys heard that? You guys aware that's a thing. Yeah. I mean, I hear it. Uh, <laughs>
2: that's what it was. I mean, listen, both, both sides were right about Najee Harris, right? Like yeah. no one lost the Najee Harris argument week one. A draw. He, did, he did play all the snaps. He did get all the volume and he also was limited by the offensive situation. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, it was very like 2019, uh, Leonard for type of performance, uh, 17 touches, 49 yards, 35 of his 45 rushing yards came, uh, after contact and he didn't face one, single carry where he had eight or more defenders in the box because the oh. Steelers run so much 11 personnel. So yeah, he did. I think both sides kind of won the argument. It was exactly kind of how the detractors said it was going to go. It was exactly how the the people that were the prognosticators for him were too. So we know the usage is there. Now he does get a Raiders team on a short week coming off of a pretty emotional high in uh, an overtime game too. If you look at the history of road teams, uh, coming off of Monday night on short week, it's their win loss record is extremely poor. So game script could be in favor here. Uh, the Raiders also weren't good against the run week one. Uh, the Ravens actually probably should have ran more. Uh, and they maybe just the, the Tyson thing, kind of the weird second half, kind of got away from it. But Lamar should have ran more too in that game. But the Steelers uh, will have an opportunity to give Najee the bounce back. I mean, he's so, him and Kyle Pitts, their pricing is still enough for and their usage yeah. is still high enough that I'm gonna give them a week still. I'm gonna bite at those apples again. He's pop, I ran a bunch of optimals before the show. I always do that. And
1: like, he's in like so many yeah, Harris is like, I mean, because the volume, like you talked about the price didn't really budge. And we, we do live in a world of salary cap where you can't just say, well, I want cook and Kamara and CMC. Well, you can do that week one on DK. <laughs> that wasn't that hard to do. Actually. Well, you
2: brought up Carson Carson on DK is a direct pivot. So we could check ownership later in the week. Yep. Uh, Carson's a direct pivot on DraftKings, is a like all the reasons that we said is a uh, to like him. Uh, and then on Fanduel, how close are they? Uh, he's Carson six hundred more uh, than Najee. Uh, look, Najee on Fanduel looks like he's going to be really hard to avoid uh, at six one. Well, for- and you mentioned <laughs> on the road,
3: like it's also West to East, like it's a it's yeah. a rough spot for the Raiders, especially given their off like their injury woes both in the offensive and defensive line. Like they're probably starting just one guy they had in their offensive line in week two last year. It's a completely revamped unit. Um, it's a worrisome spot. Diggle, you have a preference among those top three? I mean, it's really, really tricky, obviously, with CMC, with Cook, and with Kamara. Do you have a favorite amongst those three? They're all good, obviously. Um, I honestly don't know if I have a favorite. I do think the Panthers are live dogs. Like, if anything, like, we should have upgraded Mm -hmm. our – all of our numbers in the back for the Panthers passing offense. Like just the fact that they have Terrace Marshall as a commodity, and yet he rendered Robbie Anderson to the lowest target share he's had since joining the Panthers. Like that's pretty special. Darnold also I understand he was dumping off a lot, but when asked to throw deep, he was very good. So it's still just a Joe Brady unit we trust. And um, if they are live dogs against this struggling saints defense, that has a lot of injuries, including Marshawn Lattimore, not going to play also all the, the COVID cluster on the sideline with a ton of different, players or members of the coaching staff it seems like a good spot that you know they just give up to Christian McCaffrey and let him go wild but I don't know if I will spend up for him in tournaments because I do generally like a lot of the cheaper guys we talked about one already in Harris I also like Jonathan Taylor surprisingly because the Rams were one of five teams to allow over five yards per carry in week one as David Montgomery had his way on the ground and I had questions about the Rams defense coming in and they really didn't respond well, because Taylor even last week Uh, encouraging Lee Saul a career high seven targets to go along with seven carry to Naheem Hines is nine and if you have that spot in your tournaments coming into Sunday and suddenly like Darius Leonard Xavier Rhodes these guys are ruled out you can just also just pivot to Daryl Henderson in a better game script because as we saw Henderson played every snap but one on Sunday night maybe they get Sonny Michelle more involved this week but it still seems like more of a uh, week-to-week thing with him learning the playbook and then integrating him into the system and then also for cheaper which is also another pivot if you don't play Kyler Murray since there are lots of other quarterback options we saw the Cardinals use James Conner as basically their own Carlos side just a guy to get you know a few carries in there but he's not using the passing game at all so for Chase Edmonds just the fact that he was significantly more efficient on his carry. 16-12, to he got out carried by James Conner, but still over 5 yards per attempt compared to just 3.3 for Conner. Also, Edmonds hoarded 100% of the running back targets, and he ran the third most routes on the team, even ahead of Christian Kirk. So he's like they're passing down back, plus still the workhorse, not the workhorse, the 1A option. And I think that's very interesting giving his price on both sides, even though if you play him on Fanduel, you still need the touchdown. And James Conner did, although he looked like a slug, he did play inside the 10 and in the red zone
1: a couple more names i want to throw out there rich uh, and feel free to chime in or add on whatever was said there as far as some of the backs that were thrown out there um, mixon looked great in week one it was another great usage guy obviously montgomery looked good on the other side too for what it's worth um, so you were talking about running backs big favorite running backs how do you feel about a running back that is a team total above 30 they are favored by 13 not is, that doing too, it. Is, is that too high like is that not doing it Okay, so you're you're you know boots in the ground that this is this is where you're at right now. Why are you not on Nick Chubb? Oh, I
2: thought you were gonna talk about Leonard Fournette.
1: <laughs> oh no, no, that's so funny. No, that's not what I was doing. Oh
2: yeah. Oh no. yeah, oh yeah, Nick Chubb, he's cool. I thought you were for sure talking about the Bucks guys.
1: He's <laughs> he's playing one play at least. He's gonna he's gonna restart the game, that's what we're told, and then what happens from there?
2: I'm sorry. I I'm sorry. That flew over my head. I was totally th- thought you were headed to Tampa Bay. Yeah. I mean, you can play Nick Chubb. Why not, man? Uh, he still shared uh, work, you know, 52% of team snaps. That was 27th among running backs. But I mean, the game script's going to be here. I mean, a huge favorite. The Texans have been terrible. Since returning from injury last year, uh, Nick Chubb also is averaging 18.8 PPR points per game, double-digit PPR points in all nine of those games. So you don't even have to run away from him on DraftKings either. Obviously, he's been really hot in touchdown equity over that span. So, the you know, the old Derrick Henry, you know, you know that dichotomy of, like, does he get in the end zone? If he doesn't, then, you know, it's hollow production. But it's he's been productive, still behind a great, you know, offensive line, although they lost Jedrick Wills. Uh, for this game, but it's the Texans. Uh, I mean, what do you want me to say, man? Yeah, I'm for that. I thought for sure you were talking about the fuck Well,
1: now that you brought it up, it's like same sort of deal. And Jones is 4.8K. Oh, no, God. And, well, let me ask you this. It's, it's 31-10 in the start of the fourth quarter. Tempe's got the ball. Who's out there? Who's the running back? I have no idea. <laughs> and, well, no that's idea. that's why maybe you embrace the barrier. If you're making like an MME, if you're mass multi-entering, you fire some bullets here. Uh, mm-hmm. I. I don't know, man. It's it's kind of sort of somewhat interesting. A four point eight k. Like, I I mean, look, Fournette also led. What he had a, a ball hit off his face, and I, and then that, I guess that's you know led, led to a turnover as well. And very fickle as far as the running back, you know, uh, uh, in Tampa Bay. I, well, do you, have, do you have any thoughts on this? <laughs> you know,
3: uh, Dago Bucks running backs. As, no, not at all. All I, all I know is like, we got so desperate in our main event on Friday night. Also probably while I'm still a little behind cause uh, we're coming back from Vegas and it makes week one even rougher. But uh, I mean, we drafted Leonard Fournette Friday night, just taking his 13 points because we went zero RB because oh. everyone was leaving so many good wide receivers on the board. So we also have pits though. So we're just praying to the gods that uh, Pitts is better. And that usage actually spells something.
1: I mean, look, if they're going to score 32, 33, 35 points or something like that. It's, I just think it's interesting for tournaments and this is by no means an endorsement.
3: This is just a, uh, a game theory thought process more I, than anything else. I'm here for game theory. I just can't. And I'm not even saying you're wrong. I, I just genuinely, I'm too much of a plebe to wrap my head around Ronald Jones game theory. Well, they've so, got to
2: get Brady still set up to, to break the record in foxborough and they play the rams next week so he's gonna need a lot of yards this week to keep the pace Ooh, I like what, it. what is it so
1: tell me what it is i don't know what it is
2: uh well he i forget the exact number cutting into the season but it was right around 12 to 1300 yards that he needed to pace to break the all-time passing record in foxborough in week four uh you know obviously he threw for 380 wow. in week one uh, but the Rams matchup next week puts a little bit of a, 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 a little bit of a kind of wrinkle that like he should throw for a lot more this week to even it out what he might not throw for next week. Can you bet on that like right now?
1: Like that's going to happen, right? Like that's for, he's going to make sure that happens. I mean,
2: everyone talked, when the schedule came out, it was literally like all everyone talked about like it it coming out. So, I mean, we've got to maintain the pace. I mean, they're going to (laughs) throw all over the Falcons. The Falcons blitzed so much last week and they were so bad at it. (laughs) Uh, I mean, this secondary, like it reminds me a lot of last year's Jets team. Like, Like where Greg Williams was like, you know what? We don't really have the DBs, but this is what I do. I send heat. And it's, I feel like Dean pieces is going to do me. I feel like the Falcons are going to be a team like we just pick on the entire year because their defensive coordinator is going to put them in the same spot. And then against Godwin Evans and, and, you know, Antonio Brown and the ghost of Gronk is back, like, whoo. I mean, I love Mike Evans this week on the, on the run back, uh, feels like, you know, he got the short straw because it's going to oscillate between these guys a lot. Like all these guys are talented. Uh, they're all going to have big weeks. Um, Godwin was the guy who was most high on coming this year and that kind of paid out week one. Um, but I do think
3: Evans is a nice little, uh, you know, kind of run back this week. It's also frustrating because they've now played nine games together. Oh, non-regular season games together. And, uh, they, they're averaging seven and a half targets each. Like you can't even parse through them. And then you mentioned the ghost of Gronk. Like Gronk is also back to being a full-time player. 57 snaps over Cam Brady's 18. He ran 37 routes on Brady's 50 dropbacks. Like he's literally just on the field all the time now and he looks great. Uh, amazing what an offseason of participating will do. So you can play any of them. But also I say like, I keep coming back to the idea if I'm trying to go back against Waller, I'm trying to fight in tournaments as the pivot. Like I want to play the Bucks so I can have the cow pits run back because i believe in the pits usage and so that's why i keep coming back to the bucks so sell me on pits
1: like tell me why i can go back to pits we'll talk about the receivers and tight ends now
3: oh they well it can't be that bad again right <laughs> well hopefully yeah <laughs> <laughs> i mean that, I mean just to run a route on 80 plus percent of Ryan's dropbacks also to compete with uh eight targets I believe it was like that I mean that's the usage like we're chasing a tight end who's being used as a wide receiver and they don't have the talent around them like they still ran 12 personnel at the league's highest rate because they're trying to get Hayden Hurst out there but Hayden Hurst wasn't relevant when Kyle Pitts wasn't there what do you think happens when Pitts is there Russell Gage we now know is not a factor either they can literally just go to three guys uh Calvin Ridley who was great on that first drive we thought we were wonderful on that first drive and then mike davis and pitts and that's it so i'm still just chasing that and that's pretty much about it hoping for the best
1: my issue with this game as far as stacking it several issues like i don't like
2: either quarterback because now quarterback can move but of course brady can throw for 400 yards and four touchdowns
3: oh to yeah your
1: staff.
2: like so i like it as your skinny stack to bring back your big stack like you know you play Keenan Allen, you play Mike Evans, or you play uh, C.D. Lamb, and then you bring Pitts and uh, Evans as your pass catching group, and then you can play Dak and or, or Herbert. I
1: like that. I like, and, <laughs> and the other part of it is like I never really know who to, if I'm going to play Brady. Who do I pair with them? Because you know, unlike uh, a team like Minnesota, I know who to pair with them. Essentially, or Seattle, I have like a one and two shot. Tampa, uh, it could be Evans, it could be Brown, it could be Godwin, it could be Gronk, it could be Scotty Miller. For all I know, it could be Jones on a screen. Uh, or Uncle Lenny can run like three touchdowns in or something like that. Uh, receivers, Rebar, who have we not talked about that's worth talking about this week?
2: Uh, yeah, who is it? We, well, we brought up Jamar Chase to open. I mean, listen, it, it, he he raced kind of any questions right away. He immediately al- operated as the alpha wide receiver in that offense. He led the team in routes for dropback, targets, receptions, receiving yards. He also had long touchdown. 27% team target share it was 11th, highest rate of all wide receivers in week one. The bears uh, secondary is not very good. I mean, guys were just running all, all over. And it was the Rams offense. They've got probably a better scheme. Although Zach Taylor comes from the, you know, the Sean McVay and tree, but guys are just running on Sunday night, like wide open. Like the, the touchdowns that the, the bears gave up in the passing game were like I mean, we we're, we're making those grabs, man. Like I'm catching that one Cooper Cup's Scott. I'm probably not, probably don't have that much separation, but uh, I'm going to, I'm going to pull that one in with no one around me. Uh So, I mean, yeah, Jamar chase, I feel like is just ludicrously priced on, on both sites. Uh, is, he, is he the best Bengal receiver? Like the one you feel most right out the gate right now he's ahead of Higgins ahead of Boyd. I mean, he was at least for one week. So we'll see, Uh, you know, Higgins still did get the end zone target, which we like, but I mean, you know, it could, it could be something that, that, that moves around a little bit. Uh, the Bengals were a team that we talked about, you know, what are they going to do in week one with Herbert Burrow coming off this injury? And they did. They played a little more conservatively than they have in years past. They went to the run a lot more. They used more, uh, you know, more blockers in instead of empty sets and, you know, allowed kind of Burrow to be a little more efficient. Burrow was nine of nine passing uh, on first down uh, for 11 yards per pass attempt. Uh, so they when they, they were able to dial up their shots because they were more of a balanced offense. Uh, so I mean I mean it's tough to say it's only one game. I don't want to get over my yeah. seats. I think T Higgins is a really good player, but T Higgins is also priced higher than Jamar Chase. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> the only that that's the issue, really. Uh, and like the only thing that's frustrating is when you hear people cite like their overall snap counts and just their their box score stats, like T Higgins obviously was carted off mid game as well. He missed a couple possessions. So like maybe he just comes back and he plays more than Chase as well. That doesn't mean Chase does not produce as much as him. It just means like T Higgins is probably on the field every single time over uh, uh, Tyler Boyd especially because like now this team and maybe this steps back as well but the Bengals also ran the ball at the league's eighth highest rate neutral game script and that may be to like actually temper Joe Burrow bring him back along slowly after last year's attempts and paces per pace with him and he was still center. sacked at the highest rate per drop pass. yeah that's just sad that's actually pathetic. <laughs> Hey, in that same game, can I can I run it
1: back? Or, am I not allowed to play Robinson until Fields is the quarterback? Because I was looking, I saw somebody tweeted it out. I don't remember who it was, but just showing the routes he was running and just like, it seems no upside with Dalton. Am I? I mean, what do oh, I do this? their
2: game plan was ludicrous on Sunday. I mean, they had the lowest uh, yards per completed pass in the NFL in Week One. I mean, they feel, they know what's going
3: on. They feel so bad. I don't know It's why. friendliest loss. It's the friendliest yeah. loss angle. And otherwise, Fields would have played that entire fourth quarter. They know Dalton is the worst quarterback. They had to have been reassured they're back next year. Otherwise, this is just absolute madness. And maybe I'm wrong here, but aren't they, don't they uh, lose their pick next season? Their number one pick? I mean, think it's, it's not their tanking.
1: I feel like I saw that on Twitter. Maybe I don't keep track of these things, but I think they do not they have. They traded up to get Fields. So like, what are they doing? It's not like they're taking for somebody else.
3: No, they're not taking. They're the Bears. This is what they, <laughs> this is what still,
1: they do. They, yeah. they genuinely think that Dalton is the, is the optimal move right now. Okay, oh, right I'm it's right. The, no,
3: it's the friendliest loss scenario. They're playing for the
2: friendliest loss. Dal- Dalton completed seventy percent of his passes. You saw the, the game plan. Like, they're they're, like four yard passes, though. Right, okay. exactly. The friendly. <laughs> they were trying to just have the friendliest loss possible, and they achieved As- it.
3: As we are on a Prairie Yard's loss or Prairie Yard's watch after Jerry, Judy, and DJ Shark had the busts in the Hall of Fame last year, just know like as long as Andy Dalton's under center, like those are the Prairie Yards, the Allen Robinson and Darnell Moody that were watching. Otherwise, those peripherals, 11 targets for Robinson to play every single snap and run around on every single drop back for the Bears for Mooney are terrific, but it doesn't matter with Dalton under center.
1: Do you like Sut- uh, Sutton or Patrick or Hamler this week with the absence of Judy? Anybody think they're
3: kind of sort of somewhat interesting? Are people going to go to Hamler? What do you have for roster numbers? Because I am curious. Um, uh, it's so early. We have it at 0.8%. Okay. It's super, super early. Okay. Because I, I kind of, I do like that game to go over. Um, like Teddy Bridgewater being like he got PFFs third highest grade, but also was far more aggressive than I thought he would be. Like he threw six attempts, 20 plus yards downfield. And of course the box score would have been better had Reeves's boy caught the ball that was delivered directly into his hands, 50 yards downfield. It was so disappointing, but was also, what was also interesting is that, Jerry Judy last year ran 70% of his routes from the boundary, whereas this week before injury, he ran 18 of his 23 routes from the slot. And Hamler, of course, was the only... Broncos player to run over 200 routes from the slot last year. No other receiver was over a hundred. So like Hambler's the guy that would logically replace him and Hambler with a high target share. If he corrals that, if he garners that, something is I'm really interested in having said that Tim Patrick, every time he's on the field, he just produces, like he's just literally a good football player uh, for week 10 on last year in place of Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick led the team in fantasy points, even though he didn't have as many targets as Jerry Judy, um, he just gets open in the end zone. So I think both are really good options, But if Hamler's going to come in like at less than 5% and it's still very early, I think he's, of course, he's really interesting. Tim yeah,
2: Patrick, the uh, the Zach Pascal of the Denver Broncos. Okay, uh, Patrick's he's not better gonna, than Pascal. He's not going to clear. He's not going to get you sixty yards, but somehow score a touchdown or two. Uh, <laughs> last year he came in, he cleared four catches in just two games, and he cleared sixty yards in just four. But he led the team in touchdowns. Like that's what we're going to get. Like he's, but, he's not a bad player. You're not wrong. It's just also like there's not a lot of upside in him either. Also to be
3: fair, he got he's kicked out of one game. He had to play with Kendall Hinton in another game. He's also a very maddening individual.
2: i mean he's one of these guys though that's like uh one of those old guys like he's good enough to like be a thorn for like the players we really want to play like hamler and then like but like also not carry a lot of like high end appeal on his own to like he's like we want to play something we want hamler to be a thing and then tim patrick's gonna get like eight targets uh (laughs) and ruin it
3: also dean um y'all put y'allself out there last week with dpj who i really thought was a good play (laughs) until he started playing football and uh, out there and Hamler, he did. He ran nine more routes than Anthony Schwartz. It just didn't matter. So Schwartz um, was not with uh, DPJ. There you go. Sorry. And then, and, then, uh, and then Hamler, of course, was a good play, except he dropped the touchdown. So I will put myself out there and say uh, the worst tournament play you could have this week that I'm very interested in would be Van Jefferson, who only saw three targets with an 11% share, but finished second on the team in routes run ahead of Robert Woods and Deshaun Jackson. He pretty much was used surprisingly as Deshaun Jackson played the highest regular season snap rate of his career and led the team in air yards, not prayer yards because they're from Stafford and not Jared Goff air <laughs> yards with a 29, a dot. And so if the Colts, if they get these players back from their injury report and they're at full health on the defense, if they're at all competitive, which is also a tough ask after we saw Carson Wentz play football and deliver to running backs with a forty-five percent target share, um, if we get like five to seven targets from Van Jefferson, that's really interesting.
1: Do you feel confident saying uh, Jefferson's ahead of uh, Djax in that uh, depth chart? Like, I, I just I like I like speedsters,
3: I like burners in a dome, uh, and all you all you need is one catch, one catch well, just by that roster spot. So the game script misconstrues the numbers a little bit, but also Jefferson was playing ahead of Jackson well ahead of him in the first half as well. So I feel, I feel pretty confident in that. By the
1: way, it's super, super early. So, you know, of assault here, but the uh, ownership on Tim Patrick is 8.4% on DK right now. And it's interesting because the a decision point here. Uh, what do you have? They're both 4.6 K. We have Tim Patrick at 8.4% uh, at 4.6 K. And we also have Cole Beasley, at 9.6% at 4.6K. at the same exact price. Rebar, you have a preference, Beasley or Patrick?
2: I mean, on DK, I'm going to go Beasley 100%. Yeah, that's already vouched for uh, Josh Allen and the, the, the upside that that game has over potentially a, a game that involves the Jaguars, Uh Although it could get there, like, you know, Dago said, uh, but yeah, easily, pretty easily. Listen, man, I'm not playing Tim Patrick. You guys aren't going to talk me to Tim Patrick. <laughs> T- Listen, he, he's going to be fine. And same thing like Zach Pascal. I'm just not going to do it. Uh, I'll, I'll eat my you know crow when he scores the two touchdowns on his four catches. Uh, but I, I like to play, I like to play players that are fun. I like to play players that have high ceilings, um, I'm not doing it.
1: So you don't like Manny Sanders either, I guess. Yeah, I like Manny I Sanders. So I really do.
2: Yards. I really like Manny Sanders. Uh his a 21-yard a dot from Josh Allen. Uh granted he says just one game, but he had eight targets, uh, zillion air yards. The prayer they were prayer yards against the Steelers. <laughs> uh, but he was on the field for 93% of the routes. Uh, if I'm already on Josh Allen uh yeah I, I listen i like Manny sanders i think you can run that game back with waddle uh will fuller is going to be there uh, I, that, I I think that game is pretty fun for stacking purposes because you don't have to care about any of the running backs in that game which is always no. fun i'm just seeing now that dpj <laughs> is once again 3k stone minimum and it's super super
1: early but he's he's some back, he, 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 back
3: he ran more routes, he ran oh more routes dude. unbelievable cooper cup oh. also good uh yeah. he's also good the good receivers in that game also good not yeah. inclu- not Michael Pittman, who may not be good.
2: Well, the Colts play a ton of zone. Uh, you you, you tax uh, the middle of the field. Both the touchdowns that they allowed, or two to three they allowed, uh, were out of the slot, you know, uh, in week one to the Seahawks guys. Uh, and Cup, was the, Cup played on 100% of the dropbacks. He was the only guy that really wasn't squeezed with kind of weird usage there. Um, yeah, I mean, he looks good. Higby looks good. Stafford looks good. Could be the Bears' defense. Probably a little both.
1: Mm-hmm. Up at 6k looks really, and that looks pretty tasty as well. Yeah. That looks like a potential cash game play again. Wednesday night, who knows? Lots of stuff can change for sure. We, uh, I think, we said, I think we said enough, right? We, it's it's <laughs> Wednesday night. We, we, we already stayed long enough. My apologies for keeping you along. My apologies for Devin to keep you long. Uh, my well, thanks for sticking around. If you guys made this long, once again, hey, leave that, leave that comment in the chat, not the actual live chat. Like, you're probably watching this on a Thursday or something like that at uh, work or at lunch or something like that. But, uh, yeah, leave a comment there, my, my favorite comment, uh, I don't, whatever it is, whatever it's doing. You can make fun of me if you want to, by all means. Uh, Got to be funny, though. Like make sure it's funny, and we'll get you guys a one week free of RG Premium. We'll see if we can keep that going throughout the year. Sure, that'll be good times. Uh, Rich, they all know who you are, but tell the people where you are, where, where they can find you, all that good stuff, just in case.
2: Uh, at Lou Reeves on Twitter, sharpableanalysis.com, weekly worksheet, uh, every Wednesday night, nine o'clock with my boys, Dean and Daigle.
3: Same deal, Daigle. NBCSportsEdge.com. You can go there if you're in the redraft streets and still get the guide. Use the promo code Daigle10. You will get 10% off my rankings and tiers are going up actually right after the show. Also, we have breaking news FFPC bids just came in. I am seeing them, and it looks like Elijah Mitchell went in one league for 996 out of a thousand, which makes him per Fantasy Mojo the new record holder in high stakes leagues, second Ooh. or first only to Devontae Freeman, who someone bid 994 him last year after Saquon Barkley got injured.
1: Is it the most? Til- I don't play a lot of season long leagues, but is it the most tilting thing? when you see you bid 996 and you got the guy and like it's it'll show you oh here's the second highest bid 112 like is there anything more tilting it's, than
3: that it's the most tilting thing is when you have a shitty team in week one like Reeves and I do and we have to do like everything to replace the bench
1: yeah well there you go did you get your guy did you actually uh, you, you talk about your you put put the bid in and your team together are you breaking yeah. news there, or you're not Well, the here's bid? the thing: the
3: guys we bet on probably are going to help us. So we've caught some bad injury luck along the way, Dean. We're trying to fight right now. It was all about the
1: process. The process was right, and that's the all that matters. Process was right. That's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for watching, guys. Do hit the like button, subscribe to our notifications, all that good stuff. Of course, check out all the Rewar stuff, all the Daigo stuff, all the stuff at Roto Grinders. That was Rich. That was John. That was football. That was Dean. That was the Pick Six Show. We're out of here. Holler.